Let's pray for a moment. Lord, thank you this morning as we come to your scriptures. We invite you now, Holy Spirit, to come and speak, to fill me and my words, to open the scriptures to us, to open us to you. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we continue in this epiphany season uh, in our preaching series entitled The Call of God. And as we've been going along these past weeks, we've seen that God's call has two parts. The call of God to you, to come to him in relationship or through relationship with his son Jesus. And God's call of you for the sake of others, to help others come to him also. Uh, We've been remembering this in a very simple way, or at least I hope it's helped you, uh, using two fingers and four fingers, the call, everyone say, to me, and for others. Let's try one more time. To me, for others. Simple way to remember. I, I need simple things. I don't know about you, but it helps it to stick in this old brain of mine. Today we're going to look at God's call, or Jesus' call specifically, to the church. Like, what's the point? This call comes to us in Matthew chapter 28. And as far as Matthew's gospel is concerned, these are the last words of Jesus. Now, last words are always important. When a loved one dies, one of the things that we ask, or one of the questions that we have is, did he or she say any last words? We realize that last words that people say represent that which is closest to their heart. And so in these last words of Jesus, recorded by Matthew, we have what is closest to Jesus' heart. What is absolutely most important, most crucial, most pressing, most imperative. You might say it's both the bottom line and the vision for the future. And if you know your Bible, you know that this is called the Great Commission. Now, Jesus was well aware that there would be a long period of time between his first coming and his return. Uh, He said that no one knows the day or the hour. The Father in heaven has reserved that, so he himself, as he walked as a man on the earth, was unaware of what that day would be. But he was clearly aware that there would be a long period of time. And so as he was leaving, as he was ascending into heaven, following his crucifixion, following his resurrection, where the scripture tells us he is now seated at the right hand of the throne on high. He told his church what he wants us to do until he comes back. Like, what's the point of all this? Why doesn't he just take you to heaven after you come to him? There's a reason for your life and for mine and for ours as the church. It's really important for us to realize that those words, these last words of Jesus, were not just for those 11 guys on the mountain in the region of Galilee 2,000 years ago. These are words for all Christians at all times across all cultures, and that includes you and that includes me. Now, we know that this is for all because Jesus keeps using the word all over and over and over again, four times, in fact, In three short verses. Let me read those to you. In verse 18, all authority has been given to me. Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Verse 20, 
teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always. I am with you always. There's no ambiguity. There's no leaving things to chance. All authority, all nations, all I've commanded, always. His call is universal. And that means it's a call for you and me and for us. Now today, I want you to see three things in particular about this call. First, there is a great claim. Everybody say, a great claim. Second, there is a great commission. Say, great commission. And third, there's a great comfort. Say, great comfort. Right? A great claim, a great commission, and a great comfort. Verse 18. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is the great claim. All authority in heaven and on earth belong to Jesus. It means that Jesus has both the right to act and the ability to act. The right to do and the power to accomplish it. To back it up. Heard a story about a DEA agent. That's a drug enforcement agent who was stopping by in this, uh, at this ranch in a region of Texas where he was investigating uh, drug trafficking. He stopped in and he was speaking to a rancher and he said to the rancher, look, I need to inspect your farm to be sure that there are no illegal drugs anywhere here. And the rancher said, okay, that's fine. Just don't go in that field over there. And the DEA agent, he got really angry. He reacted He said, Mr., I have the authority of the federal government with me. He reached into his pocket and he pulled out his badge and he put it up and he waved it in the farmer, the rancher's face. He said, this badge, you see it? It means that I am allowed to go wherever I wish. No questions asked, no answers given. Do you understand me? And the rancher nodded politely and apologized a little bit and he went on about his chores. Well, you can imagine where that DEA agent went. He went to that field over there. A little while later, the rancher heard the guy screaming. And he looked up and he saw the DEA agent running for his life, being chased by the rancher's longhorn bull. With every step, the bull was gaining ground as this DEA agent ran to try to get to a place of safety. It looked like he would be gored for sure. Well, the rancher dropped his tools and he ran over to the fence and he yelled at the top of his lungs, your badge, show him your badge. (laughs) See, See, the agent may have had a delegated authority, but he didn't have any power to back it up. He was still going to get gored. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth is mine. The authority of God is mine. The authority of the God of the angel armies is mine. The authority of the Lord who created heaven and earth is mine. There is nothing that exists, whether in heaven or on earth, that is outside the purview of my authority and my ability to act. And the ultimate proof of this is the fact that he was raised from the dead. His resurrection is the proof that he has all authority. The last great enemy that every one of us has, has been vanquished 
by Jesus Christ. See, religion hasn't conquered death. Morality hasn't conquered death. Good deeds outweighing your bad deeds, that hasn't conquered death. Being a spiritual person has not conquered death. That bowl of death is coming. But there is one who has conquered death. And that is Jesus Christ. Who died on that cross for the sin of the world and was raised again from the dead. To show that the penalty had been paid. That death was not the last word. That he has authority over everything that can exist in heaven or upon earth. Talk about an extraordinary love. Talk about an incredible God. He didn't have to face death. He didn't have to endure the cross. And yet he did. He did it for you. And he did it for me. And he did it for the world. That death might not be the last word. And God raised him. Conquering. Vanquishing. This is what his love does for you. This is what his authority is all about in your life. It makes space for you with God, both now in this life and with him in heaven. But it does require something of you. It requires that you yield yourself to him, that you simply say yes to the one who is Lord, Lord of all, including your life, your heart your hopes, your future. And that leads us to his great commission. Verse 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Because he has all authority, he tells us, he tells those of us who come to him and who yield to him, He tells us what he wants us to do. He gives us the playbook, the plan, the direction that we need. Notice that he doesn't say, my commission to you is to go to church on Sunday morning. Have the best program in town, the best band around, the best uh, uh, preachers or teachers, the most beautiful facility. And expect that people who are far away from God are just going to come and join you. Nothing wrong with church and coming to church. I'm glad I'm not here alone today. It's good to see all of you. And bands are great. They sound beautiful. They help us to connect to God. And and hopefully preaching and teaching that opens the word of God helps you to connect to the Lord. Buildings are wonderful on cold days. But Sunday at church is a little bit like the airport. No one goes to the airport just to hang out and eat airport food. Watch the bags spin around the carousel. See the pilots doing their thing. Go to the airport because it gets you somewhere. The point isn't the airport. The point is the going. An airport helps enable the going to where you intend to to get. And that's a little bit what the church is meant to do. I'm not diminishing worship. I'm not diminishing teaching or any of those things. I just want us to recognize what they, the the context in which they're intended to exist. 
It's not an end of your Christian life, coming to church. It's actually the equipping place for your Christian life and your experience out in the world to help you fulfill his great commission to, to go. To go where? To go everywhere and to go anywhere. Wherever there are people far away from God, that's a place you can go. That might be right into your own home with a husband or a wife or a child or a cousin or it might be in your neighborhood. It might be in your job. It might be in your school. It might be down into Charleston. It may be to the other side of the planet. Anywhere where there are people who are far from God is a place that you can go. What do you do? Well, you make disciples. That's why we've been talking about that quite a lot, as a matter of fact, for the past six years. That's why we put a definition around discipleship, not to limit it, but to help us to know what does this look like? What is it that we're called to be and do? And what is it we're called to help others to be and do? Well, we're help, to help people to follow Christ. And, and to help people be formed by the Spirit of God as He comes into their life to change them for the good. And we're to help people fulfill that great commission, that mission of God that works out uniquely in each of our lives in different ways based upon the ways He's wired us, the way He's made you, the spheres of influence He's given you, the passions, the desires, the hopes. All of that is included in the where that you get to go, and the to whom that you also get to go to. Now that might seem a little bit daunting. I suspect for some it is, especially if you're not sure how to do that. That's part of the role of the church, to help equip you to do that. That might seem daunting, particularly if you're like afraid to do that. Like I'm an introvert, or I'm a fearful person, or I wouldn't know what to say, or, you know, you fill in the blank, whatever comes to your mind. It might also be daunting if you realize you've been sitting in the church for an awfully long time, and you've never actually done it. But that's where the great comfort lies. There's a great claim, there's a great commission and there's a great comfort. Go back to Jesus' words at the end of verse 20. He says, And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. As you yield yourself to my great claim, Jesus says, and as you obey my great commission, then I offer you my great comfort. I'm going to go with you. You're not alone. He said it a little bit differently in the Gospel of John. He said, I'm not going to leave you orphaned. Think about what an orphan is. An orphan is parentless. An orphan is comfortless. An, an orphan has no power. An orphan is lacking in love, insecure. But that's not who you are. Jesus said, if you love me, then I'm going to ask the Father He's going to give you another helper, the Spirit of Christ, not the Holy Ghost, not spooky Jesus, 
the Spirit of Christ, to be with you forever. The one who he calls a helper, an encourager, a counselor, a comforter, one who comes alongside to give you what you need in order to get you safely home, in order to help you carry out what he's asked you to do. You were not meant to do this on your own. And that's where you might get into that space of fear or I don't know how, or you're supposed to be there so that he can comfort you and give you what you need as you learn to cooperate with him. It's the most exciting thing you can ever experience. I can't believe that I've had the opportunity to be a part of people meeting Christ and growing in Christ over the years. Because I'm, I'm kind of a moron most of the time. And I, I don't mean that to like beat myself up. It's just like I wouldn't have picked me for the job. And yet he delights in that. He delights in taking people whose hearts are soft and who are willing to yield, who have a care and a love for others and a supreme love for him, and then using them to do things they could never have done without him. That's what makes it a grand adventure. That's what makes it such incredibly good news, not only for those who receive it, but for us who get to be a part of it. There's a great joy in that, my friends. If you yield to his claim, if you're willing to obey his commission, then you absolutely will have his comfort, his power, his presence in all that you need. Let me end with this, or at least begin to wrap up with this. Some years ago, I I heard a Christian stand up and say these words. Tears streaming down his face. One day, I want to walk down the streets of heaven and have someone, maybe many people, running up to me and saying, thank you, thank you, thank you for telling me about Jesus, for helping me to know him. If you had not come to me, then I would not be here with you. Will anybody be there because of you? Here's the great thing. This is not condemning. This is call. And what God calls, he also empowers. The beauty of our Christian life is not, gosh, look at this vast past of mine where I have not or I did not. It's look at today as a new day. Look at the possibilities we have with a God who is with us and who simply looks for vessels he can use. Every day is new in Jesus Christ. Tomorrow is behind. You have today. And tomorrow you have tomorrow. And then the day after that. So what next steps might you take? Well, if you recognize your own heart's need to yield to this one who has all authority, because you've known about him, but you've not actually entered into relationship with him, then you can begin right now with an intention of heart, with a sincerity to say, yes, Lord. As best as I know how, as best as I understand, I say, yes, Lord, come into my life and show me what this guy's talking about. 
no matter what you might be facing, and there are some daunting things that we all go through. I mean, there's some real hurt in our lives, some real struggles, real difficulties. I mean, that's what happens in real people's worlds, right? He says, I still have all authority over those things. Whatever you face, whatever you're afraid is coming your way, whatever you're walking in even now, He says, let me into it with you. And so it might be time to invite Him in or back into into a place that's had you and you've had trouble getting free from. And then, of course, there's simply that willingness to take steps to ask Him, like, who, Lord, in my life would you have me to go to? And you start to pray. Talk to Him about it. That, that's the point. That you would be in an intimate relationship. Think about the people who you love. Maybe some of the people you don't like. Because you know, gosh, they seem far away from God. They're hard to be around. And then you start to pray for them. Oh God, would you let your good news come into their life? Would you start working in them? Would you start leading them to yourself? This is all on you, Lord. I'm just trying to do what you asked. And so you begin to pray for them. You ask Him who, then you lift them up. And you begin to ask Him, Lord, would you show me in your time, in your way, how you might use me to be a part of them coming to know you or to grow in you or to be formed by you or how I might help them to fulfill the mission you have for them in this world. And then you do it. The good news is you don't have to do it alone. That's why we are a church. That's why we have life groups. That's why we have mission outreaches. That's why we do it together. Do you know the great claim? Have you stepped into the great commission? Do you know the great comfort? Let's pray. Lord, please, not just words today. Would you come with encouragement? Would you come with strength? Would you come with power? Lord, we thank you that there's nothing outside of your purview, either on earth or in heaven. And so we bring to you the things that are on our hearts, that weigh us down, that have kept us chained, And we ask you to break them and set us free that we might be your people and so fill us, Lord, with comfort and power and life and vision and possibility that the world would come to know that you are a good and kind and loving Lord. For the sake of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.